0: Okay, so this is going to be the battlefield. This is the session two. Now, battlefield, the purpose of this was, now I was always taught like, okay, there's battlefields with the enemy, right? There's things that he works on. But how do we break this down scripturally and understand what are these battlefields? Now, some of the stuff that I was just previously talking about was talking about the refining, the the fire, the things that we go through, The thing is that when you experience things in your life and the stuff that you come in contact, people you come in contact with, experiences that you come in contact with, all of those things can be used as a battlefield. Now, I believe and I see everybody's lives is that in some ways we are in a type of war every day. It's the way you position yourself in war and it's the way that you carry power in war. Are you carrying a place in war where you are standing at the front knowing that Jesus is in front of you, that no enemy can touch you because the way that you position your war and the way that you see things in your life can shift. When you look at the Old Testament and you look how people walked into war, you will look at it was always different, meaning that God always took people into a different place, the Israelites, into battle, meaning he had some walk and fast and praise him while he destroyed the enemy. That's Jeho- Jehoshaphat. You, you have Joshua. Where he goes and prays that the sun stands still, the sun stands still, and he goes out and kills all the enemy. The enemy was handed over to him. You have Jericho, where they're told through obedience to walk around the wall. And in the obedience, the wall falls. Now, as you look at war in the Old Testament, I really believe that it's an applicable thing for our lives today. Because there's a battlefield and there's a battleground that the enemy plays on every single day. Our job is obedience. In obedience, there is always power always power, meaning that the way that you see war, the way that you endure things will shift through the power of obedience. Because all that the Israelites were called to do was obey. Obey, and he always shifted it on them. God always shifted the way that he brought in victory within war. And And I absolutely believe it was so that he could never be boxed in and his power would never be boxed in. And they would never think that they could figure it out. Here's the one thing that I learned in my own life when it came to war and coming against the things of the enemy. When I would conquer an enemy over here, I believed I took that same thing into my next war and that I got to use those same tools. There's an element of tools that you will use in every single war, but that's just the word of God. That's the only tool that you'll always use. The way that God moves within his word will change because that's where wisdom is. Because wisdom's beyond what you think. So it's the way that you will then see how war and how you come up against things changes by how you walk. And it's the same way that the Israelites did it. Their alignment was to the voice of God in obedience. The wisdom of God then destroyed the enemy in many different ways. So when you look at your life every day, this is a battlefield. What is my position? Your position is obedience. Your position is aligning with his voice. And he may call you to do really weird things. Seriously, the things that God may call you to do in obedience may be the most uncomfortable thing that you've ever, ever, ever had to do. Let me give you an example. Like I told you, I started looking really crazy when I started praying for people recently, okay? Meaning that the Spirit of God started manifesting on me in weird ways that I had never seen power come through my body the way that it was coming, that people would stare at me. He let It happened to me on stage at my church. Caused a lot of pushback. There's a girl who teaches on deliverance, but I think she's a demon. That'll mess you up. They said she's anointed. That prayer was anointed, but she doesn't fit in here. She doesn't fit into what we're doing here. So when I get confronted on it with friends, their friends, my my pastors, they're my friends. There's nothing against them. They're my friends. I didn't know what to say. I can't control it. This is the power of God on me. What am I going to do? You're running around Jericho, destroying an enemy in your life, Sarah. Those people inside don't know why you're running around. They don't know what you're doing, but I know I'm about to drop the wall. What's your role in obedience? My role in obedience was to stand in front of them and say that God's power doesn't make sense and I can't control it. So I'm sorry if I'm not called to pray on stage any longer. This isn't about me, it's about him. Because if I would have compromised and said that God, I'll shut him down then, I'll pray differently so that I don't look crazy when I pray, I could be back up on stage. That's where I wanted to be. We can compromise in the natural, to get what we want. But I'm sorry, I don't want what I want. I want what he wants. And if that's going to mess me up and get me rejected and people think that I'm crazy or that I'm manifesting a demon, I'll get rid of yours for you. (laughs) This is what I'd really like to say. Because people can't figure it out. What I was doing is outside the box. Doesn't make sense. But yet at the same time, it carried power. Oh, but the religious spirit didn't like that. It's not neat and pretty. Doesn't fit into my seeker-friendly church. My church isn't like that. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying in general. That's what people say, what people do. It messes us up when God wants to move the way he wants to move. When he tells you to stomp around Jericho, look crazy to people. Sarah, I'm going to spin you on stage. You're going to get really embarrassed. And I'm removing the fear of man off you and destroying a wall in your life till you don't care. That's the wisdom of God and the obedience of him within the battlefields of your life. It's coming against enemies that you didn't know were there because they're enemies within the soul that have gained ground. And the enemy attaches to those voices. The demons attach to the voices of the brokenness within you. So when you're called to obedience and you're called to shifting things in the spirit realm, your obedience will be called in the natural But in the spirit, you're going to blaspheme demons. You're going to smash them. In the natural, you're going to offend people. You're going to be offensive. And I think I've offended a lot of people (laughs) and lost my dignity at the same time. (laughs) And guess what? God was saying, this is good. This is good, Sarah. It's okay. I'm setting you free. It's okay if you look crazy. It's okay if it's in public. If it, lo- it looks okay if it's filmed, if it's on camera. What are you going to do with that? If you got people in the churches that you grew up with that want to call you a heretic now because you're doing things that's not okay with them. What are you going to do, Sarah? What is the church going to do when you're doing things that people in the church are not okay with? And we think it's okay. We think it's okay because the church says it's okay. What happens when the church crumbles down and God rebuilds a new church with the bride that he's coming home for? That's going to mess the church up. There's a restructuring going on. The Spirit of God is creating something new. He's going to remove the old wineskin so that he can pour in a new wine. But if your skin is not thick, you will not carry the new wine. And the Holy Spirit is unleashing power into the church today. And he is shifting things in the church. He's shifting power. He's he's shifting minds. He's shifting eyes. He's shifting wisdom. He's shifting knowledge to become wisdom. And because this shift is happening in the church, there's going to be offense. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be persecution. What are we going to do? What's the church going to do? It's a time that there's going to be a strengthening and power is unleashing. It's a time that this church, that people are going to get strong enough to carry, carry, carry who Jesus Christ is. But if we don't know the battlefield in which we live in every day, then you are a walking target to the devil. You're a walking target. And that's what goes on, it goes on in marriages. It goes on in friendships. It goes on in the church. It goes on relationally. It goes on in your mind, in your home. I'm going to my curriculum. (laughs) I didn't know if I was or not. I got a little scared. I was like, oh, I'm going to do something different. It's coming. It's different. It's different. Jesus, what's going on? You're ruining my curriculum. (laughs) Did you see it? I was going. I was going somewhere else, but now I feel like I'm going back to it. That'll make me feel better about my life. Okay. Battleground. The first thing I want to talk about. (laughs) Battlefield. (laughs) Battlefield. I said the wrong word. It's battlefield. It's battlefield, not battleground. Influence and temptation. Now, man, hearing this, like, taught, I think people so, so quickly think, oh, about influence and temptation, like the temptation of what is the apple in your life, the temptation of... Oh, the thing that is so outwardly the sin that you battle. Let's just talk about the temptation of the distortion of truth that is so slippery and slimy in the church today. It's so small. When I look at the temptation, the biggest temptations in my life are the temptations to break me, to place fear on me, so that I don't trust. The biggest power you have is trust, to be able to trust in obedience To be able to spin around Jericho because you trust the one that you're running around obeying. (laughs) You trust him. What keeps you from trust? Fear. The biggest temptation to come in my life would be the seeds of fear that would break me in trust. Oh, they're so sneaky. Influences and temptations. They are not just the outward thing where the devil places an apple right in front of you. And you desire it. Because you already know that's wrong and I don't need to get up here and tell you it's wrong. People in here know their weakness and their sin. They know the thing that cripples and breaks them. They know when it's hung in front of them and the enemy knows how easy you will latch on to it. What happens? Let me give an example of bondage. You have the bondage of pornography, the bondage of addiction. You have where the enemy enters it in through a thought process where he speaks the temptation and he places it in front of you, meaning the option to walk into it gets placed in front of you, obviously. Here's a really perfect example. When I was getting clean and sober, I had drug addiction for like 15 or so years. In my 20s, I was battling it, but I had gone through rehab, whatever, when I ended up in Bible school. Now, the enemy would place it as little things where I would go places and then go into the bathroom and, like, see a bottle of something. And I was a (laughs) pillbilly. I was a pillbilly, okay. Like, I did a lot of drugs, but I really did, like, pills, okay. So if I went into somewhere and I would see, like, whatever, a bottle of opiates, a bottle of something like that, man, the devil would set it right on that corner, and I could spot a bottle of that from back there. I'd be like, oh, what's that? Like, you know when you just know what your problem is, and all of a sudden, if you have a problem with alcohol, you see the bottle of vodka that's behind your head like that right something attracts you the demon attracts you to it so I would always walk and I would see it from far, and be like oh I was still weak back then so I would go in and when I was in Bible school I relapsed multiple times and I was taking stuff a couple years later I had to come to a place where I would relapse and relapse where I had to fight that seed fight that seed fight that temptation fight it cripple it break your soul But what happens when you're bound, bound, bound? I had freedom in those places, so I had been free. So they were small relapses. I was able to gain more ground, gain more ground, where the demonic spirit of addiction was being stripped of me, but it would come in with little temptations. What happens when it comes to like the temptation of a sexual temptation, pornography, addictions of that, it comes in in a simple seed. to get me back on there maybe I would notice the bottle of pills I take one. Oh, the next day I take a couple what happens is I open the door in the spirit realm the demonic opens the door through the suggestion when I make a purposeful sin opening the door you just create this legal access point for a demonic spirit to attach to the soulish parts of you your mind your body your will your emotions the demon then attaches it can gain very much power and control You know, there's people that carry demonic spirits in the church that you can come across possessed. That literally a demon has that much power on your mind that you shift personalities like that. A lot of people don't know that that's a demon. You wouldn't believe it's a demon because you don't believe a Christian can be controlled by that. You would think that's considered possession. It is not considered possession, but it is a possession of the part of the mind that is not renewed unto Christ. It's the ability to have death so loud in one part of your mind that it attaches to your mouth and you willingly hand it to the voice the opposite of Jesus Christ. And it comes across as possession. And not possession, just an idiot person. (laughs) A lot of people wouldn't even acknowledge it as possession. You'd be like, that person's just a jerk. He's annoying. He's got anger. He's got this. He's got that. They got this problem. And yet, I would, I might, because of my personality, I see things, I'd be like, oh, no, that's a spirit. That's a demon. A lot of people won't acknowledge it as a spirit at all. They attach that person is really, no, that person has a brokenness in their soul that they opened up to. Does it mean that they're not responsible? No, there is a responsibility, but it's also broken. So because of the brokenness, it is opened up. It is aligned with this thought process that is against truth. They speak out of that. They speak out of it, and that's where anger, that's where, you know, the list goes on and on when somebody can operate out of a spirit that's just attached so strongly to their mind that it actually has the ability to shift emotions with it, meaning the person feels the emotions of the demon. You know how I would know so much when somebody would be coming, like, for deliverance, when I used to do, like, one-on-one sessions that I don't do anymore, I would be like, how do you feel? They always say, I have anxiety. I feel like I don't like you. Yeah, people would be like, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't like you. I'd be like, yeah, that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not you. If anybody tells me they don't like me, I'll be like, no, that's a demon. Everybody likes me. <laughs> you just need deliverance of your demon. <laughs> They'll be like, I have anxiety. I have whatever. I'm like, you do not have anxiety. You don't have a spirit of fear. Your demons got it. You're feeling your demons fear. <laughs> your demons afraid of Jesus. When you see Jesus go and cast the demon out of the, 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 the kid that was having seizures. I, don't, I forget what text this is in. The demon manifests, I actually go into this in the, in the next one on deliverance. The demon manifests on the little boy, throws him to the ground in the presence of Jesus. It would come to appear that that child was not getting delivered, but yet that child was getting delivered. The devil was, the demon was afraid of Jesus Christ. So that's what I hear. I hear people, oh, I have anxiety, have fear, or I feel, I feel really anxious to come. I don't think I want to come. No, your demon's afraid. You just feel it. When you operate under anxiety and fear, there's a spirit that just spins the, the mind. And I know, and I can, and I can tell you this, do you know how the panic I used to live in, I would end up in the hospital all the time under panic disorders. I was medicated on everything. I would see it for days with panic disorders. They couldn't even get me through an IV of Ativan to shut down the panic that I would live under. I would, I would get delusional under it because I couldn't breathe in the fear that I lived under after my sister died. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Here's the thing, though. I do believe God will allow your fear to go full circle until you turn to him on your knees, and he will allow it to go for a while until you stay on your knees. It's one choice to get on your knees one day. What does it mean to stay on your knees in desperation? It's okay. Sometimes panic will turn into that. It's not like I'll look at somebody, you have an anxiety disorder. Okay, you need deliverance today to be set free. No, what does God want to do with that? God will let the fear go full circle to expose what's in there, to show what's in there. So sometimes those little, gl- those little seeds that get thrown out by the enemy, the little temptation can turn into the bondage that turns into the spinning when the demonic can attach strong. It can attach strong. When we get our eyes open to how the devil, demons work within people, within our lives, your life will be shifted in so much power it will freak you out. But do you know how bad the enemy does not want that for you? That's why I always like, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear the stories of any time that I'm doing something like this, of what people's lives hit the fan. Oh, the devil gets so freaked out. He does not want people to know truth. He is so scared of him getting exposed on people's lives that they walk in truth. And they realize that he's a chess piece, that he gets to be played as a chess piece in your life, that all of a sudden the battleground changes so much more. You are not weak in the battle. You are at the forefront all through obedience. Now, when I talk about like the, like the shifting, the spinning. You have the open door. You have the thing where you latch onto something, where you take hold of something that then becomes the open door in the spirit realm. It could be just fear. It could be a suggestion of fear through something you're going through. And because it gets in and it spins in you, there's something in you that it's able to align with. What is that? The broken part of you, the unrenewed you, the unrenewed mind, the parts of you that have not been renewed under truth. You want to talk about how an influence turns into a bondage? It, it, the influence becomes the open door. The enemy latches onto the unrenewed part of your mind. The unrenewed part of your mind. Now, it says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to cut through joint and marrow, soul and spirit. In the cutting, it exposes the innermost thoughts. Now here's the thing. If the spirit of God and the word of God is not producing a wisdom and a severing and a cutting on you that can be painful because it exposes your innermost thoughts and it's not doing its job and you are not in the word enough. Because that's what the word of God is doing. Now if you are somebody so filled with knowledge, so filled with scripture, that you know so much scripture, but yet it's not cutting and severing parts of your soul, then you have just filled yourself up to walk in pride. You've just filled yourself up to walk in pride. It has given you power in the natural. That's all you've gotten. You've gained power in the natural. There's a part of the Word of God that until it creates a resistance to where it's pushing something on you, exposing the innermost thoughts, there needs to be pain in it because there's a resistance in the severing, and the sword is sharp you have in Ephesians 6 that the only, only piece of um, weapon is a sword. You're not fighting with anything else. You're armored in Ephesians 6. You have one weapon. It's a sword. What does he call it? The word of God. The sword is movement, meaning it is not just movement and severing within your soul. It should not just be creating resistance in you, an uncomfortable feeling because it's exposing things and severing. It is also something that you use within battle. But it's not just something you speak aloud. Like I used to teach this, if you just speak it aloud, speak it aloud, you you come against the enemy with scripture and scripture, there's so much power in that, there's so much power in that, but do you believe what you're saying? It needs to cut in you first. When it cuts in you, it pours out of you. I used to feel like I needed to be taught how to pray because I just needed how to learn how to stop whining. (laughs) I had to learn how to stop complaining to God. And so I used to hear the power of your mouth, the power of your mouth, and what I said and what I did, what I would come out of my mouth to speak the opposite. And as I started to speak the things out out of my mouth, things did get severed and things did change and things did shift. But until it shifted in me, Did my prayer life just completely change to where it's not even a thought process when I pray? I'm just gonna say what I believe he says. And if it comes out the opposite of what he says, then I pray that those words land in hell. They don't touch anything. Where are your words landing? Where's your mouth landing? The unrenewed mind will manifest in the natural by your mouth, the unrenewed mind. The unrenewed mind is something that aligns with death and not life, but how do you get that? How do you get that? How does that mind become renewed and become unrenewed? I believe the biggest thing, the biggest thing that comes in resistance to that is the hardening of the heart. The hardening of the heart, it is talked about all over the Old Testament, all over the gospels, Jesus talks about the hardening of this heart that we have. There's a hardening that all of us have and experience in our heart. That alignment of the hardening of the heart from the things that you've experienced is the part of the soul that align with the unrenewed mind, that when an influence and temptation and the enemy suggests anything, those are the seeds that get rooted in those places. The hardening of the heart for me, it took roots at every death that I experienced in my life. And even as I experienced freedom and joy and like crazy deliverances, crazy power, God would show me there's still layers of the hardening. There's still layers there. I honestly truly believe that everybody, everybody has them in their heart and their lives. It's where like the ministry of inner healing is so big and it's so important. We don't realize what the hardening of the heart does, how it affects you. Where does it come from? It comes from the human reason. Now in 2 um, Corinthians ten three through five it says, we are not, we Are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. As humans do. We use the mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Human reasoning, that word is also translated imaginations. It's very interesting. It's imaginations. A contemplation of actions as a result of a verdict of conscience. That word um, in the Greek, it's like logismos. The reasoning, how that gets translated there. Imaginations. You're coming against strongholds of imaginations, meaning you've taken the situation, you've reasoned it out to a verdict in your life. The verdict doesn't align with Jesus Christ. That verdict creates the hardening, creates the wall. It creates the stronghold, the thing that comes in resistance. So he says we don't fight against, we don't fight the same way. We have the divine power to knock down these strongholds. We have the divine power to knock down the strongholds of these human reasoning, this human mindsets. Now, you're going to find that every person that you encounter, any experience, anything that was spoken over you, anything that you've gone through in your life, you have the human reason that has the ability to then reason it out to an end point, right? Does your mind do that? Because I very much, in everything that I do, figure it out in my mind, everything. I need an answer in my mind. What's it called, Like an analy- is it an analytical person? What it is, that, that needs to reason and understand. Every human mind has that ability to create an imagination with everything you see, everything you experience, every word spoken to you. In that reasoning, in that ability to create a verdict from what you see and what you experience, In the human reasoning creates the hardening. So then he says, We do not knock down the strongholds. That word, strongholds, means a place of protection. In the Old Testament, that was a good word. We just think the word stronghold means that you're bound by something, it's a place of protection in Scripture. That's what that word means. You've created a place of protection by the reasoning of your mind. I reasoned God out that this is what he did in order to protect my heart from anything else because then I defined him the way that I chose to define him. Made sense in my natural mind, created a stronghold, a place of protection in my heart through the human reasoning, then hardens my heart because the reason around it. So he then says, and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle. Now, this proud obstacle, anything that lifts itself up, that keeps people from knowing God, it destroys anything that lifts up this thing, this imagination, this human reasoning, lifts up above the knowledge of Christ. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, when you hear the scripture, the renewing of your mind, take every thought captive, a lot of people think those are going to be the obvious thoughts. Hey, don't go over there and look at pornography. Hey, don't go over there and use drugs. Hey, I'm going to capture that thought. What if that thought that you need to capture is just the way that you've reasoned out everything that you've ever seen in your life and, and, and made God out of? Those were the imaginations in my mind That when I went into the season where God said, you're gonna learn how to abide in me and teach spiritual warfare, he uprooted and spun me in. They were so hidden. I had no idea how deeply rooted I still had this hardening and reasoning that God would allow the rug to always be pulled out from under me. I didn't know how to get free of that fear. Literally, you guys, 20 months, tormented in the middle of the night. When you've seen what I've seen, And you've walked in where it felt like you got hit with a bat every moment of your life through childhood, through youth. Where you never felt like you got anything normal. That when God is saying, I got good things for you, there's the human mind that reasons in fear. You're so afraid of it. You can't believe it. You can't believe it. It's those things inside of us that don't believe and see God who his character is. Because we aren't aligned with the wisdom of God, which is the mind of Christ. We're aligned with the soulish realm. we're aligned with human reason and imaginations that come up as strongholds within the heart and create hardening. Within that hardening is where the temptations, where the influences. Where the things get in, the unrenewed mind aligns with and you will get bound in. It's what the demons are able to attach to, because you have you. you have God and you have demons. It is not, we never should live in a place where we blame everything on the demons or we blame everything on God. We got us. And in the freedom of aligning this part, our heart, into him, all that stuff gets exposed. But I promise you, there are some crazy strongholds people lived with that are so bound in their mind, man. They are so bound. They have no idea the depth and the root of how the enemy has come in and gripped. Now, like, when I would walk into to really breaking, breaking down the battlefield, being Like so sneaky and so small, smaller than you have any idea. Like realizing these little things that the enemy puts the little seed into, little seed into. I just needed something to start on. Like give me something, God, that I can latch on to. I don't want to walk out of here depressed. (laughs) Like I'm like here's all your crap. Bye, see you next Saturday. Like no, I need an answer. I need something to take hold of. I need something, God, that's my sword tonight. The biggest thing for me was my mouth. It was my mouth. Man, I didn't know how to control my mouth. Not that I was necessarily an abusive person, but I didn't know how to not align with what I thought and what I felt with my mouth. I didn't know how to do it. So many people, you need to start backwards, meaning you gotta get something even when it doesn't make sense to you. My mouth didn't make sense to me. Some people, it's like, hey, take what's inside of you and start speaking it out. People don't operate in the boldness of the things that they believe in their heart. Mine was the opposite. I was so crushed and broken inside of me. I had to come from the outside to get to the inside. So I had to start using my mouth. And I remember when I started using it, because I want to tell you something. When your mouth, when you speak, you got two options to align with heaven and hell. When you align with hell, you align with a demon. It's the quickest way a demonic spirit can latch on. It's how you word curse. Look at James, um, James 1. All right, he goes, he's talking about the mouth. I don't want to go into the whole text of it. This is James, sorry, James 3, 3 through 12. He's talking about what the mouth does in the same way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark that sets a great forest on fire. All among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body, and is the whole life on, and can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless of evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord the Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursings can pour out of the same mouth. Man, I remember my dad one time telling me, because of how verbally abused I was by that guy, and my dad telling me, does he not know he's producing life and death? Like he he can like, he's killing you with his mouth. I had never known that scripture in Proverbs that your mouth produces that stuff, but I knew that the abuse that I was under made me wanna kill myself. Do you know there's, there's things that you can just speak over your child that you release unto hell and you release unto heaven? If we had an awareness of what our words align with, because the devil's looking for anything that you say in resistance to God's truth, because then he can harass you with it. He's talking to the church. He says, you can curse people. It speak death over people. So when I started think, realizing I needed to just align my mouth with truth, I remember just starting with smoking. And I was smoking a cigarette, and they told you in school like speak the opposite. You know, speak the opposite of what you want, and what you do. It's faith, and I, I was like, they were nuts. I was like, you're weird. Like I don't understand that. That's weird. Like I, I, I remember my roommate goes, talk to your cigarette, and like say that you don't smoke. This is like what it's the confession of faith, right? And I totally thought they were such weirdos. But then I got alone and I did it. And I did did it. I did do it. And I remember being outside and I was smoking a cigarette. And I was like, I thank you, God, I don't smoke anymore. I was like looking around. I want to make sure. Because I was like, I knew I looked like a psycho. But I'm like, if I'm going to try anything, I'll try anything, Jesus. Sometimes we just need to be that desperate. Man, that desperation is what got me to grab onto stuff. It really did. So I, t- I spoke to my cigarette. Then I spoke to my bipolar meds. I would speak to my antidepressants. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not depressed. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not depressed. I think he thought I was so cute. He was probably like, look at her. She's such a broken little mess, but she's believing me for something. <laughs> I feel like he was, like, impressed. I think he thought it was cute. Like, he took me to Bible school as a train wreck. He took me there and said, but she's desperate. I'll give it to her. He's okay. People didn't like me. I wasn't nice. I was super mean. So there was a reason. It's okay. I was not nice. Not nice at all. Yeah, not nice. I did not like people. So I know why people didn't like me. Like, I get it. Like, so I'm not like offended that they didn't like me, but people didn't like me. Okay. And here I am in Bible school, such a mess. God goes, I'm going to use her. That girl right there, yep, the one. She's got probably some weed in her pocket. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking her. We're so religious. Jesus looks at the heart. He saw I was hurt. I had been broken. He saw my heart of desperation. Where's your heart at? I think you thought it was cute I talked to my bipolar meds. All I want to tell you is that within two years, I was off all of them. And it wasn't in pain, not that I didn't have detox. Oh, I had detox. But here's the thing. When I tried to get off all of them at once, I spiraled so bad. When I did it in his grace, there was so much power in it. I noticed all of a sudden, I wasn't taking something. And I mean, you guys, I was on everything, antipsychotics mood Mitsu. I was on all the, all the stuff you get put on for, for something like that. I was like a mummy. I had absolutely no emotions. I was shut down for probably 15 years, my mind was. I had no, I did not, I didn't, I was sarcastic and rude. I know that. I still was like, I would make jokes, but I wasn't like a normal, like having, like my person, I didn't know until my late 20s. I didn't know till I got off the meds. I was that subdued by these medications. When you get off something like that, you will absolutely spiral into darkness because of getting that stuff out of your system, okay? It is very painful, and I know some people have experienced that. I mean, it is a gross feeling. It is rough. Under his grace, I didn't have that. I would be like two weeks notice I didn't take an antidepressant that I had been on for years and years and years and had no side effects. Then I'd be like, oh, my gosh, over here, but I slowly would do it. I did it in his grace over years, over years. And in his grace, man, there was that deliverance. And how did it start? I talked to them and said, that's not who I am. I said the opposite. Did I get to see it right then? No, I didn't see it till years later, but guess what? I stood on it. Sometimes you just got to grab on a promise and stand on it. Jesus didn't make me with bipolar symptoms. He didn't make me a drug addict. He didn't make me a total mess. No, he made me into the image of God, and that's what I was going to stand on. I had to start somewhere. My mind had to come first. My mouth had to come first. I had to start talking to something. I talked to my cigarettes. But you know I know something. Sometimes giving stuff up is painful. This is a funny story of how God made me quit smoking. Okay, like getting off the other mess. Oh, it was so in his grace. It was so in his grace. When it came to cigarette smoking, he gave me some time with it. And I talk, I talk about this in the book, and I'll say this. Some people have a problem with that. Like, that, that, no, God wants you to put all that stuff away. Here was the thing with that. I was walking in obedience, and I was letting go of things, and I was being stripped of stuff. But if there was too much happening at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to endure it. So I remember as I was being removed, I was being delivered of things that first year of Bible school, when it came to the second year of Bible school, (laughs) this is so funny, I would just be like at my apartment smoking a cigarette and I remember walking back in and literally just being dropped by the Holy Spirit, like dropping on me. You ever seen somebody get slain in the Spirit? He'd slay me in the Spirit by myself in my apartment, okay? And I knew it was about smoking. He was trying to get my attention. I knew on my heart God was saying, I need you to stop smoking. I wanted a reward. I wanted to know why. I was like, "You've let, I've gotten rid of all these other vices, Jesus, please. I have to deal with all these holier-than-thou Christians. Let me have a cigarette in between class. <laughs> I need to de-stress, okay? I even asked my apartment complex. I said I don't want to be any by any Bible school students who lives around me. My dad was humiliated. He was with me and I was touring the apartment buildings and I go, who lives there? They're like, don't you go to that Bible school? I was like Yeah, I don't want to be by any of them. I want to be over here. My dad was like, you're like, this is, he was so humiliated by me. That was like how I was. I was like, yeah, i de-stressing. Jesus, this is my one vice. I've given up everything for you. I'm out here by myself in a state alone, hiding from a man. Let me have a cigarette. (laughs) No. (laughs) You will get called to obedience that will break you and not make but there's such reward in it to let it go. There are things God does in grace. There are things that are painful, but they're still in grace. So he dropped me three times. <laughs> three times after smoking a cigarette, I came in and I'd like literally just get hit like a uh, ton of bricks by the Holy Spirit and like kind of fall backwards. I was like, fine. It, what, God? I remember I laid down on my couch and I go, what? I knew what it was. I knew it was smoking and. I have never heard well now I have. He's yelled at me a few times since then. He didn't yell at me back then. He was very like soft in how I would hear his voice. I didn't start hearing his voice in in me until Bible school. I didn't understand what that meant. Like I never had understood what it meant to hear his voice. I heard a yelling, a yelling in my in my head like crazy. Sarah, you need to quit smoking. It was no like, I love you. I love you so much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh just it's for your own good i love you just stop i'll give you the grace no he yelled it and i said out loud back to him this, this is a dead serious story and i've never told this before i said this isn't god <laughs> i go this isn't god oh, yeah i totally like tried to debate it out loud and i heard it again sarah you know my voice you need to quit smoking And it was so strong. He was so to the point. He was not messing around. I knew, you don't listen to this. You're stupid. (laughs) Right? I was like, at that point, you're like, okay, that's not the devil. I wanted to pretend it was the devil. The devil's not going to yell at you to stop doing something like that. You know? And yet I was like, this isn't Jesus. This is not God. I remember going, grabbing my pack of cigarettes, falling to my knees, crying, and broke them all in half. I was so dramatic. I was like, fine, I'm done. And I did. I broke them all in half. I threw them away, and I quit smoking. Just like that. You know, when you choose to make a decision, stick to your decision. Be a, be a people of a yes and a No. Don't go to the left and to the right. You know, went, like speaking of that, was that the scripture? What was I just, I was looking at this scripture earlier. Oh, man, I wish I had it right now. Talking about a double-minded man are not able to receive things from God. Too much of the church is double-minded. We don't make choices in walking them um, with with, with uh, power of truth and obedience. We go, whoo it feels good at the wind and the let me flow here let me flow here oh this is good or we're driven towards something that's so wrong it's making that choice i mean i smoked a couple cigarettes after that i'm not gonna be like i I did have some fallback i'm not gonna act like i'm so holier than thou i never touched it again but that was my end point i made that decision right there then when i heard god's voice that loud to me he doesn't always talk to us that way you guys But when you know him, you're going to know what he wants for you. He's not necessarily going to hit you like he hit me with that. But when you know him, you know what he wants. You're able to hear him and make those choices and those decisions. It was aligning my mouth with those things. It was aligning my mouth even when it didn't make sense on the inside of me, even when my insight was hardened, even when my mind was unrenewed. The beginning of renewing your mind starts with your mouth. It starts with your mouth, aligning in prayer, shifting how you pray. I could do a two-hour seminar on your mouth and prayer, and I'm not going to. So, I really wanted to bring this type of a subject to where, man, somebody has something to walk away with, something tangible. Now you look at the mouth, you better align your mouth and grab power. What else do we have here to help us when we deal with these things? You have angels. Too many people do not, do not, like, believe in angels. Like, you all have angels, and a lot of them are bored. And I always say that. They're bored. You are not giving them stuff to do. I'm serious. I'm so serious. I get a lot of angels. God gives me a lot of angels because I give them jobs. <laughs> <laughs> seriously I do like I truly I know I know I know why man I had to see demons starting at age 12 because they harassed me but I had a discerning of spirits I had a gift but it was shifted it was harassed it was used wrong so I started seeing things in the in the spirit realm at 12 years old so if you want to think that somebody's going to believe in angels it's me because I know demons are real so I know angels are more real and they're more powerful So when I started realizing, I was like, man, if this is real and I know how real this is, there was elements of God blowing up certain things in my life because I had to see so much darkness. So I got to see a lot of other things because he's going to make sure his light got louder than the darkness. He was just making sure of it. So I I got to experience a lot of things where I know that angels are here. They're here to minister. They're here to strengthen. They're here to give you power. I oh, Every time I pray, I'm always praying and asking it because you don't pray to angels, but they are charged from heaven. They do align with the word of God. So they align with his word. Anytime you speak out his word, his will, in the way that you pray, you align angels to it. They align to that. Give them a job. Because there's an element. They're here to fulfill the will of God. They will fulfill things from the throne room. But you are the hands and feet of Jesus, meaning they are here to align with what you say that aligns with him. They are called, they have certain, they do. They have certain positions, protection, um, warfare, um, strengthening. You're dealing with all sorts of stuff. Look at Daniel. Daniel prayed. It took, they had, it was Gabriel and Michael came delivering a message from the throne room, came against the prince of Persia, which would be believed to be like a principality, a territorial spirit over the kingdom of Persia, came into opposition of that as they're delivering a message from the throne room to Daniel. Oh, if our eyes were only open. Think about that. Think about things that you release and pray over your life. You stand in promises. Do you even do that? Do you stand to declare things for angels to align with, to deliver things from the throne room over you? They align with it. They align with truth. They're here. They're here for you. Do you know there's angels that are here to minister just the love of God, but because you have such a seed of self-hatred, you can't hear their voice? The, the seed of self-hatred's louder than the voice of the angel that's sitting next to you that was sent from Jesus to tell you how much the Father loves you and adores you, to strengthen you. The same way the angel strengthened Jesus in the garden when he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted by the devil. Then the angel came, strengthened him. Same thing is a sign to you and your life, but we have so many seeds that are so much louder than the voice of the things that minister to us that we can't hear us. How do you align when you do hear the ministering angels. You align because your mind's been renewed because the hardening of the heart is gone. And all of a sudden you can hear truth. That way you can actually hear things in the spirit that you couldn't hear before because those seeds are no longer loud. Those demonic spirits are not attached to your soul that scream louder than what angels have here to deliver to you and what God has for you. Give your angels a job. I want that Psalm scripture, Um, Whatever. There's a scripture in Psalms about um, angels aligning to the word that comes from him. Speak out his word, speak out his truth, speak out his will. Shift things in the spirit realm so you can hear truth. Shift it, but sometimes you got to go after what's in there. The purpose of this topic is to expose the play, playing ground that is, goes on in our lives every single day, in our minds, in our souls, in our relationships. Man, just doing something on the relationships of the battleground and the battlefield that, that plays in marriages, it's a, it's a huge game. If you guys even knew how demonic spirits can shift confusion in communication in the spirit realm, that's how abusive stuff happens. Because there's brokenness on individuals, both places. And in any type of relationship, it can be a parent to a child, it can be a friendship, it can be a marriage, whatever it is, that when... There is brokenness operating in two sides, and spirits can come in and work and shift. And it's how abuse happens. It's how uh, communication gets confused. It's how things get distorted in the spirit realm. It's the same thing. When the word of God came from the the seed and the sower, the word of God got snatched. It did not grow grow, grow root. You know the parable I'm talking about. It did not grow root because the person who had persecution walked away, and the seed that was sown into him, which was the word of God, the devil snatched it from him. The same thing happens in the natural in relationships and communications. Because your foundation is weak, you have wrong seeds. Seeds on each people, mindsets, hardening of parts, the unrenewed mind, those things that play games the enemy then attaches to, the brokenness gets intertwined, communication gets broken, there's confusion, there's abuse that then happens. When we get aligned with Christ, things on the outside will shift for you. You will see it different. Doesn't mean you won't have the battle. The battle won't touch you the same. It won't touch you the same. And so I'm gonna close this down because what I want you to walk away with and the purpose of this is walking away with the power and the understanding of these things, that your eyes are open, that your eyes are open to these, these, these areas that can come against you. Now, the next subject, identity, is gonna be dealing with not just understanding your identity in Christ. I wanna change the way that that's even presented because there's so much about the doctrine of the righteousness that's on your life that is placed on you, that spiritual position. But if you don't have wisdom and revelation where things in your life have not been shifted, there hasn't been an unveiling of your heart. How do you get the hardening of your heart unveiled? What are the veils that come on the heart that, that, that blind us? Then you don't walk in the identity that's on your life and in the spirit realm is seen by every demon and every angel sees it on you. You don't walk in it. People don't walk in the identity. And then we'll be going into deliverance, but it's not deliverance as in doing deliverance on people. It's actually living a lifestyle of deliverance. I feel like that's what God showed me. He was presenting. What is it to live a lifestyle that you are delivered? You are not pursuing deliverance. You're delivered. It's a different type of a lifestyle. And then the enemy is exposed. Um, so I'm going to close. I'm going to close this down with prayer. That's good timing. Okay, Father, I just thank you, God, for um, this topic. I pray that every heart in here was open to hear exactly what you want to say, God, in their hearts and in their minds, Lord. That people walk out of here with new eyes new spiritual wisdom, new revelation, Father. That they can walk in obedience, Father. Let their yes be yes, let their no be no, Father. Expose anything that's on their lives, God, that comes into resistance to your knowledge, God. I pray that hardened hearts, God, are softened. I pray that minds align with truth, God, and their mouth aligns with heaven, Father. I pray that over in the name of Jesus, Lord. I speak just the charge of angels over the lives today. I pray a protection over the hearts as they leave, a protection over their relationships, God that they would know you more, Father. Let us live in a lifestyle, God, that we are delivered all the time, God. We are not pursuing it, God. We are in freedom because we are in your wisdom. We are in the mind of your son, God. Let us walk in that space, God, today, Lord. In your name, amen.